I'm delighted to be joined by the Chief Executive of Leeds City Council, Tom Reardon. Tom, welcome to the Downtown Den. Hi, Frank. Hi, everybody. Great to see you. Yeah. Well, it's uh, we're getting used to these virtual events now, but it's still quite a, a strange way of working. And uh, as I'm speaking, I can see more people joining. So uh, we'll crack on with the questions because I know we've only got you for 45 minutes today and we've had an awful lot of uh, the audience sending questions in. I want to get through as many as them as well. The first thing I want to talk to you about, Tom, is that just before the lockdown, uh, the budget announcement was made included, of course, a devolution deal for West Yorkshire, which I know you and your colleagues have been working really hard on for uh, a number of years now, trying to get something in place. What will that deal look like, Tom? So it's um, it's one of the best deals that's been negotiated, actually, Frank, and um, we're really delighted with it. And we, we just got it under the wire. Um, we'd have been so frustrated, I think, if we'd have... Uh, <laughs> Spent five years and then just as uh, just we're about to to get the thing signed, um, uh, you know the the COVID comes along a bit like Leeds United getting promoted, I guess. Um, so uh, yeah, no, it's a it's an excellent deal. It's um, very um, you know very good gain share, um, thirty eight million. Um, you know, one of the, I think it's the best deal that's been negotiated um, over thirty year period. Um, lots of the the powers that you know, Greater Manchester have successfully um, got together over the years. You know, have we, we have exactly the same powers um, on the same basis, um, particularly around um, around jobs and investment, around transport, um, particularly buses, which was a big priority for our political leaders. Um, the, uh, the 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 skills and um, Education agenda, you know, really, really important, and that's going to be critical in the next phase. I've got to say, and um, and you know, uh, basically trying to integrate a lot of things around a um, an infrastructure. I call it an infrastructure plan approach um, rather than a a sort of spatial planning approach. Although some people would call it that, um, and um, you know, it, it's not the exact geography that we would have loved um, because of the, you know, the Leeds economy does set, does struggle these these two tier areas. So wherever that's happened around the country, that's been a challenge. But it, but we have the core geography of West Yorkshire. We have the the core city of Leeds at the heart of it. Um, the deal will be um, out to consultation shortly. Um, it will be consulted over the summer, and we are confident despite COVID that the, we can still aim for a May 2021 election of a mayor. Um, the combined authority will um, be slotted, you know, underneath the mayor and with the mayor. It will include, unlike other areas, um, cross-party representation on that, um, on that combined authority, which for our part of the world I think is important because it does tend to, you know, change. Um, over the years and so I think having buy-in across parties makes it quite sustainable going forward um so yeah re really delighted to get it over the line um it's been a bit of a distraction for us as you know um without having it even though Leeds has done really well we 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 did we did really think that we needed the extra resources in particular and um you know and we're delighted to get it sorted and and I look forward to you know getting it through and getting a mayor elected and working working with them um you know as one of the one of the key um 
representatives of the uh, of the partnership. And you mentioned the fact, Tom, that there will be some additional resources coming along with the deal, of course, but equally important is those responsibilities. And I suppose you've been looking at the other devolved areas. Listen, I know that you, know, you work really well in collaboration with your colleagues in West Yorkshire anyway, but that structure has given uh, places like Greater Manchester, Liverpool City Region uh, and elsewhere an opportunity to get a grip of some of these strategic challenges during the crisis, perhaps a little earlier than they would have done otherwise. So it's not just about the money this, Tom, is it? It is about getting those extra responsibilities in place so that West Yorkshire can start to make decisions for its own future. Yeah, and, and I think the, um, you know, the, 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 the closer you can put decision-making to the people it affects um, and the more you can involve people who know their places, the better decisions you make. That's a principle that I've learned over the years, having worked internationally, nationally, regionally, and now locally. And I think, um, I think this gives us a tremendous opportunity to um, solidify and um, formalise a lot of the joint working that we, as you say, we do very effectively already. Um, and we mirror, you know, the collaborations that happen across um, other areas like GM and, and Liverpool. Um, but it gives us that the, the soft power element is the important thing, I think, having looked at, you know, what's happened over the last few years. Um, despite our best efforts, I think people do look towards a mayoral figure to speak at times for, you know, for, for an area on that national stage. I, we, we have some brilliant leaders like Judith, you know, in Leeds that actually do that job really well. And I think the important thing for our part of the world is that it is some it it is collaborative and and you know we're we're quite a federal um, part geography in in this part of the world. We have very big you know Bradford's a huge city in its own right, um, right next door to Leeds. So you know we have these big big cities in their own right and big you know big places right next to each other. That so so I think. Uh, a collaborative team approach is absolutely what we need. And I think we can use it to come out of recovery really effectively. And that work has started, but the challenges that are going to hit us with the, um, you know, the need for us to um, bounce back once we get COVID under control and we hopefully have a vaccine or a treatment. Um, once we get the ability to, um, you know, get people back into work, once the inevitable happens and we get unemployment rising, you know, that's going to be the core agenda, I think, for this new new mayor and the new body. And you talk about those future challenges, Tom, and I know that you'll have already been thinking about recovery plans. Uh, and of course, you know, Leeds will have been hit like every other core city uh, in terms of, as you say, or unemployment challenges to business. Um, but I think if you were to go into a crisis having... Uh, a backdrop of positive news, then Leeds has certainly got that. You've got Channel 4 uh, on its way, of course, which was a fabulous success for the city. You've then, hopefully, uh, and you've referenced this briefly in your open remarks there, Leeds United getting promoted. And how often have we talked about the difference a Premier League club would make to the city? Uh, and then, of course, on top of that, the devolution deal. So you're attacking this recovery plan in a place of relative strength, despite 
as I say, the difficulties that clearly everybody has to overcome. Yeah, I, I mean, Leeds was, you know, if you look at the stats for just before we, we entered this this period, um, we had some of the highest um, investment levels that, that we've ever had. And, and they, you know, position us very well relative to any other city, um, not just in this country, but in Europe. And I think the fundamentals of the Leeds economy and the fundamentals of the way the city is run is, um, is why people want to come. And, you know, they, they love what we've done with the city centre um, in terms of that balance we've, we've struck between, um, you know, getting the retail core right, but getting the business, a new business district built and, and, and not doing things in a way that, you know, favours the car, but actually tries to, you know, really think about people and the way that we, we move around the place. And I think it, it sets us up pretty well, I think, for the next phase where we've got all these new challenges about you know maybe fewer people commuting in at the same time um you know the carbon agenda the the the, the community-based approach that we've taken so that that's what channel four were attracted by um and that's what uh, the investors that are coming into Leeds still are attracted by and and the things we've lacked have been the things that you've mentioned you know we've been almost held back by not getting the devolution deal sorted and not having the premiership football team because you know that we're in a global economy the thing that's that stands out above all in the uk is the is premiership football it, it, however much people who don't like football would get frustrated by that that's what people when you go around the world and you talk to them about where do you come from that's the probably the first thing they'll mention the football team um and uh i can't set any um sort of hexes on the on the promotion campaign uh, i'll i'll get i'll get murdered by uh, 800,000 people but you know keep saying to them uh, when they want some of people were saying let's just take the points per game thing and get promoted up I, I think it is a better way to do it and i'm really you know they've got a great team and a great setup and bielsa is you know he i'm i'm a borough fan so i i have a different challenge wanting to uh avoid relegation but I think for Leeds the fit between Bielsa and um and the and the club and the city is perfect because he's just he's a bit there's a there's a northerness about it there's an independence there's a passion and um and there's a genuine innovation about what he does and I think that really sums up the city great it's great a great opportunity and let's hope they make it yeah uh, and with all those three things in place, Tom, as you do turn your attention to that recovery plan, the other area, of course, that Leeds have been promoting heavily uh, for a number of years now has been health uh, and science. So again, you can't imagine that that's not going to be an important sector moving forward. And of course, you've invested heavily in digital infrastructure and started to, uh, I think, generate a really good digital community in the city as well so as I say listen we can look at this thing glass half empty if we want but I would suggest that there's some really exciting opportunities for Leeds moving forward despite what's happened over the past few months. Yeah completely and I think we we have all the we have all the people in place in key positions in the business community and in the council and the you know, uh, with devolution coming, we've got um, some fantastic people in our health system, um, like Julian Hartley at the hospital, and um, 
and the you know the the, the sort of um, the university uh, under the leadership of Alan Langlands has been you know because of his history in the NHS has been has been fantastic and it's put in, put us in a really good place and the next set of people who are going to come in in the university and in that health sec sector building on the digital base that we've got is just incredibly exciting i've been talking to an investor actually um that i can't i can't give any detail about but it's it's one of the most exciting projects i think i've ever seen in terms of transformation of um of of how we um experience culture and it links into um the digital capability we've got the um that how we've stood up for culture in leeds and and sort of protected it over the years and we've got amazing people like james brynion at the playhouse and um, you know, Opera North, Northern Ballet, as well as really good micro-cultural organisations. Um, and that's what bubbles away and makes the city tick. And I think we've managed to capture that in the digital sector in the way that you say, you know, with the work Stuart Clark and others have done with the digital festival and um, the, uh, the strength that's, that's coming out of that sector. Uh, you know, if you needed to say, what are you going to need coming out of COVID? Um, in this next phase, I think Leeds has all the, as I said, all the fundamentals that you'd want in a city. And um, and I'm I'm always optimistic about um, and glass half full. You know, you you can go two ways with this. You can you can be defeatist and think that it's um, you know it's going to go on forever and it's going to it's going to set us back, or you can just say you know these things happen once every hundred years. It happens to have happened now, um, and we've got to. We've got to fight back and, and do it. The only way we'll do it is the collaborative team ethic that we have in the city. It's great to see so many people on the call. All of them will have ideas about what we should do next and we want to hear them. And um, they're going to be very much part of what we do because that's the way we work. And um, digital health tech infrastructure, you know, are big priorities for us. Mm. Uh, and when you mention collaboration, Tom, obviously we start with West Yorkshire, but then... You've been a big advocate of the Northern Powerhouse piece, and I know Leeds have been hugely involved in terms of the progress uh, of the activity that's taken place under the umbrella of that particular brand. I think it'd be fair to say that it's been dominated by transport and infrastructure conversations. I'm sure, that'll move on as things develop. Uh, but equally, if we look at what the government have had to do in terms of support and business through this crisis and support and citizens through this crisis you know whatever you say about their approach to the health side of this crisis the fact is i, I think uh, the vast majority of people would acknowledge rishi sunak has done a terrific job in terms of coming up with an awful lot of cash um, to end up with a, a safety net of sorts uh, for business that then leaves the question of how much money will be left in the pot for those big schemes that, again, uh, people like you and I have been campaigning for and arguing for for many years now. Do you get any sense, Tom, of uh, a lack of uh, appetite for things like HS2 or Northern Powerhouse Rail? Uh, or do you think, forgive the pun, but do you think those things are still on track? Yeah, yeah, no, I do think they're on track. Actually, I, I think um, the the so-called levelling up um, agenda, I think, is still um, a, a central part of what what the government intend to do. 
I think you know people will be watching to see whether they can follow through on that. But and I think those sort of projects are the ones that they will people will judge them by. Um, and because of that, I, I think they probably will um, they will continue. Um, I I think there's going to be huge challenges, obviously, with the um, the situation of the public finances that's that you know that that's that's happened and is happening during this period. But I, I think you know that the it's a reset point, isn't it? You know, I I do think this is there's some quite fundamental um, uh, you know principles at the heart of what's happened where I think people may you know may change their views a bit you know I, I think people's um, appreciation of um, the, the the low paid workers um, and the the role that you know they play in keeping the country running the idea that Whitehall runs the country is always one that's made me chuckle because you know people go on holiday in Whitehall for August and the country still runs uh you know the people who run the country are actually not people like me it's people um who you've seen um keeping the supermarkets going and keeping the nhs and social care going and collecting your bins and i hope there's going to be a recognition from across the sectors that um actually having a more equal approach to you know what people get paid and what they put you know themselves forward for is important not just from you know, a sort of traditional social justice perspective, but actually in terms of the society we want. Equally, I think, you know, not many, I think there's a lot of people who have never had to en encounter a safety net, who um, who have had to do so during this period. And they, ho I hope in doing this, you know, there will be people who recognise that actually, you know, having a, a safety net in place in the country is important. Um, not just, as I say, in the sort of traditional, you know, um, you know, social justice type of lens, but also, uh, but in terms of making, you know, this can happen to anyone, and um, and and there's got to be a shared approach to. I sound like a one of these, you know, politicians now, but I think there is going to be a. Rec I think business is going to have to think about the fact that that you know, there's been an awful lot of taxpayers' money spent to keep them going. So in the next phase, you know, they're going to have to take the sharing, paying that, help pay that back. I, th I think what we should do is recognise that this is a, you know, once in a lifetime event that you should pay back in a once in a lifetime, you know, in a, a, across that lifetime. So I think there is a need to, I don't think we should need you back to, we've got to eliminate all this we've spent in three years because we'll bankrupt everybody then. And we'll be back to austerity and it'll be a nightmare. But I think we do need to recognise we need a long term sort of plan to get the public finances back. But it but it should be long term because that's that's you know, it's like a war or a pandemic like this. You you pay it back over a long period of time. Yeah. It won't have escaped your notice, Tom, that whilst uh, Cobra have his conversations, uh, the mayor of London takes his seat at those uh, meetings. Uh, and the regions, of course, don't have representation. Now, I know you have other channels of communication into Whitehall, and I'm sure, uh, in fact, uh, I know uh, as well that people like Steve Rother and Andy Byrne, I'm sure people from Yorkshire have direct communication into the Prime Minister's office. 
Um, but it does strike me that it demonstrates still uh, a necessary uh, and important need for the North to argue with one voice at times. We know that there's going to be competition occasionally for investment, uh, but I think more important going forward will be that collaborative piece. And this is why I think, you know, whether we call it Northern Powerhouse or whatever we call it, the fact is that the North does need to have a voice, a strong voice, to say that, that we need to be playing a huge part in this recovery process. Uh, I was a bit disappointed that, uh, that, that the Prime Minister didn't concede to allowing a regional voice in those conversations. But going forward, we do need that bigger say, I think, Tom. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I, I think, um, I don't think the North's going to, uh, I, I don't think you can turn back the clock now. I think we're, we're now, you know, in a groove whereby we all will work together. And I think that's got to be for the good of, you know, the whole, the whole of the North. And um, I think we need to, we need to make sure that we have both sides of the Pennines, you know, heard together. Um, and the Northeast sometimes feels a bit, you know, as, as the, you know, the, the sort of add-on sometimes. So we've got to think about that. But when you put the whole thing together, it's, we're a formidable bunch, actually. And we've got some really talented people. And we know that with more um, ability to shape our own destiny, we do a better job. So... I think there's a real common cause between Andy and Steve and people like Judith and, um, you know, Nick Forbes and Julie Dorr in Sheffield. And I think, um, I think we've got to work together and, and make sure that Whitehall can't ignore us. I, I do think this crisis has shown, you know, the, the role I've been given, you know, they do recognise that they need more, they do need more voices who know what's happening on the ground and know the places and that's what you know the people that you've mentioned can give um and i don't think the command and control system you know the highly centralized system is is sustainable and i think this is again if this is a watershed moment then it should be that should be in the the list of things that we do differently and that we change um and i i'll be advocating that extremely strongly you know, continuing to do that with alongside others, you know, the, the political leaders as well. And I know other chief execs like Joanne and Tony and others will, will do too. And I think a great phrase that Roger Marsh used when I spoke to him recently was that North needs to be seen as part of the solution, not perhaps the problem that it's been seen as in the past by other governments. And I think that's a great phrase to to go into conversations in the future in a positive fashion, Tom, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I think it's I think it's backing that up with substance of what we mean as well. You know, that that you know that's what what are the things that we want to change that um is you know the the infrastructure point, the um you know the, the skills challenge for us is going to be the the you know we're we're in the position that we were in now with this recession that's coming probably akin to the the 80s is probably the nearest that we've got yeah. to, you know what might happen next and we know what happened to a sort of generation of young people then and I think that's what we've got to avoid now and I think a very active um you know empowered north working on that agenda of right for for people who are coming out of school and college and university we're here for you 
and we're going to get you into work and we're going to train you up and we're going to you know get you connected to the to the opportunities that we know you can take i think a massive push around that for the north to me alongside the infrastructure point would be a would be the sort of things that we should be going for i don't think we should be timid and i don't think we should be I don't think we should be creating a long list. I think we need two or three things, and it's probably infrastructure, skills, and carbon, you know, the, the climate um, change um, agenda that we could really go for. And genuinely, I think we could say, you know, they, they passed the test that you just asked, um, you know, Roger's point. In all three of those, if we were given um, what, we're, what we're requesting, um, and we controlled it rather than Whitehall, we, we would be able to give you know, more than enough back to the Exchequer and create that economic growth that Jim O'Neill's talked about before, you know, that could make a, a huge difference across the whole of the North, not just one part. So yeah, I, I, think, um, I, I think we've got to mobilise. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you got to do in that. So uh, I'm sure you'll be playing a leading role. Listen, we've been inundated with questions this morning. We're not going to be able to get through all of them, but, um, but we'll try and get through as many as we can. Um, and I, I'm going to start uh, with uh, a question from Paula Grizzard from She Business. Um, and she's asking, asking, what changes will the council and partners be making to economic plans as a result of the changes to the wider economy due to the lockdown? So I think we, uh, you'll have seen already what we're doing about um, uh, cycling and walking and um, getting, a, getting about in the city. You know, we, we've, uh, we're making changes that I think are gonna, are gonna endure hopefully. And um, we've started initiatives around car-free school drop-offs. And, um, you know, I think a whole different way of thinking about how we, how we get people around the city is going to be required. I think we are going to have to work, particularly in the short term, with businesses and large employers to um, to work to see how we can get people commuting in and out of the city in a in a slightly different way, so that we don't um, have a you know the high peaks to the um, to to the uh, commuting patterns. And I I've talked to the CEOs of ASDA and Direct Line and others. Um, the hospital, the universities, everybody's up for that. I think there's a really exciting agenda about how we strike more of a balance between having to, you know, rush into work every morning at a certain time and rush back every night at a certain time and um, do it all at the same time together on the same days. You know, I think we, we should be thinking really differently about a more of a balance. So you're not working from home all the time because that's not good for your mental health. But equally, you don't have to be in the office all the time. And let's, let's do what's right for our place. And um, I think there's a great opportunity there. I think there's the issue about, you know, the, the low-paid workers and the respect for, for people um, feeling fully part of what we're trying to achieve. I think, you know, I, I tweeted yesterday about the BAME agenda and George Floyd. I think we, you know, we ignore... The, the, these issues at our peril, I think, thinking that it's just a matter for, for the US. I think, I, I don't mean in terms of the way that our, our police forces operate, I mean more in terms of the, the sense of disenfranchisement that sometimes people feel from certain communities. Mm -hmm. And the COVID 
you know, effect has, has been disproportionate on some communities. And I think we've got to really think about that hard and think about how we're going to, you know, tackle that with them and bring them along and be a city that stands for, you know, um, diversity and, and follows that through in everything that we do. So, you know, they're, they're the sort of things that I think we need to do as well as the things we were doing really well before. So not forgetting to, to do, you know, there's a big part of this, which is it won't change everything. Mm. It'll change a lot of things, but it won't change everything. And the things we were doing really well, we've got to stick with. Thanks, Tom. An interesting question here from Sarah Worthington uh, from Urban Planning and Design. Um, I'm interested in understanding where the Leeds Bradford Airport expansion plans uh, come into this. Would it be more sensible to relocate the whole airport to the south so that access is easier uh, from the M62 M1? She makes a couple of other points, but you get the gist, Tom. And again, I know that there's been some conversations because the airport, we would all concede, isn't in the best location at the moment. Uh, but it's going to be a tough one given that resources are limited. Yeah, it's it is where it is because of the war actually, and been uh, difficult to to uh, to find at times. Uh, so yeah, no, it's um, it, it's. I look, I've I've been asked this question before. Until we get to the point where you've got a proposition, an owner that wants to move, a government that wants to move it, and um, and the investment to back it up, then I think it's a it's an interesting question, but it's it's not one that you know we should spend too much time on um now um until those things are in place if those things were in place then certainly the logic of it makes sense but um but they aren't so as long as they aren't we should go for what we've got now and i think that you know there will still need people will still want to travel by air going forward i understand the climate emergency agenda and i i totally respect the people who who are lobbying um on you know to to say that you know we shouldn't be expanding airports actually the the change that's been proposed by the airport i think is a, as much about its configuration and how easy it is to get through it and how efficient it is and they do have plans for carbon offset and you know what what i wouldn't want to do is to you know disadvantage the poorest people in the city and the region by closing an airport like that because they'd end up having to travel further and pay more to go on holiday so I think people will still want to fly, um, even if it will be maybe less than before. And we will ask more serious questions about why we're flying and how many times we're doing it. I still think it's um, it's something that needs to be, uh, you know, considered moving forward. But that's obviously a planning decision that's not in my hands. But I think that's what I would say about the general position of the airport. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Uh, there's a question here from Richard Bamford of CBRE. Uh, how will the city cope with the increased demand for car parking uh, as people initially seek to avoid the use of public transport uh, as they return to the office environment? Really important uh, point and a, a big challenge, I think, for us all, isn't it? If we are trying to, to get people out of cars, um, then we are going to start to have those conversations about different times of coming in and out of work, all those things that you've touched on earlier. But certainly in the first instance, Tom, there will be that tendency for people to want the privacy and the relative safety of traveling in in their own uh, motor vehicles. So car parking, that going to be an issue in Leeds, do you think? 
I, I think, um, I mean, it is one of those sort of counterintuitive things when we're all wanting to get more people, um, you know, moving away from the car. Um, as you say, I think the in intuitively, I think people will want that sort of safety. Um, I think given what I understand from the plans of, you know, employers and how we're going to, um, deal with this period next. I don't see it being an immediate issue, um, but I may be wrong, and that may change. But you know, if we if we get, um, I, I think there will still be quite a significant amount of working from home um, that will endure through this, because I think a lot of businesses and organisations have seen that actually, do they really need um, you know that many people in the office all the time? And if it can help their own circumstances and their their mental health and everything else to their quality of life to have more of a balance, then I think that will happen. So I think there'll be a sort of offset there that that will that will hopefully balance out a bit. Um, when we get the other side and we have a vaccine and you know treatments and we we we're hopefully through this, um, it will be. I think that's probably when it may become more of an issue. But if COVID's dealt with, then then hopefully we'll you know, we'll be able to strike that balance that I was talking about before. I think is that one of the other questions in here, I can't quite find it on the the uh, the list, but Guy was saying, you know, it's great when you think about cycling in this, not today, uh, but in the weather that we've been enjoying. Uh, but it is a bit different, isn't it? A wet and windy day in Manchester, Leeds or Liverpool. Um, it doesn't sound much fun getting on your bike. Uh, and cycling into work. So, you know, do you think that we are over-egging this idea that, you know, everybody's going to be looking for alternative modes of transport? I think it is important to recognise that the country, generally speaking, uh, does not lend itself uh, easily to those uh, alternative modes. Uh, and again, I'd have to say, without being too unkind to some of my colleagues, uh, I don't think some of them could get on a bike, never mind ride one. <laughs> Um, so, so there are, <laughs> there are those, there are those, <laughs> you know, I'm talking about Tom. <laughs> so, so, so there are those challenges, aren't there? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think that's right. And I, I, but, but I, you know, I, 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 I think it's all about balance. I, I don't think there's, you know, a, it's completely black and white, these issues. I think we've got to, we've got to make it easier for people to cycle and walk if they can and if they want to um, but equally we've got to recognize that a lot of people you know need access to public transport and to me the, the biggest difference we could make is to is to lose the two spikes a day in um, you know in, in numbers I, I think if we can try and level level off the, um, the, the times and the days that people travel in and out you know, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that could make a difference. I was talking to Roger Burnley uh, from Asda about it, and we were reflecting that we, we both probably did want to move to that more balanced approach. But what, what we didn't want to have was, an in, you know, a lot of people's instinct, if they're going to work, say, two days a week from home, is I've got to be in on a Monday morning because everyone's going to be there. And, and actually what we've learned from this is that you don't need to be in on a Monday morning. You know, you yeah. can do this. And probably connect much better and much more efficiently with lots more people. So I do think that, uh, I mean, we were saying before that the, the Zoom 
Zoom feels like a prison some days to me because I'm in so many blooming calls. But actually, it's, it's quite transformational in the way that you can convene people mm. and the way that you can get messages out to people that, um, you know, just wouldn't have been uh, even conceivable um, before this crisis. So let's take the good bits of it um, and, and recognise that, as I said before, some things won't change. And uh, um, it's raining today. And, you know, I think we've, we've forgotten what the rain was like, haven't we? Uh, <laughs> and queuing uh, outside to get into a shop um, in the rain in the winter is very different from doing so in the, in a, on a nice sunny day or spring day. Okay, the last question I think um, from our audience today that I'm going to ask, and this is from uh, Rachel Mather uh, from Mather Limited, uh, bid management and research consultants. How do you intend to proceed with linking investment in infrastructure and taking into considera consideration urban regeneration and the circular economy uh, with connecting local people with uh, with opportunities. Uh, also, as a small sole trader, both living and working in the city, how will the devolution of centralised funds ensure that small businesses can maximise their chance of success at the most challenging of times? A couple of great points there for, from Rachel. Uh, matching the new opportunities uh, with local people's skills, uh, and also, uh, I think, you know, again, as I've referenced, Rishi Sunak as the Chancellor has done a great job, um, but a lot of people, Rachel may be one of them, uh, have fallen through the net of that business support. Uh, and I know, Tom, that you'd be as keen as anyone uh, to ensure that those micro-businesses are supported over the next year or so to, to ensure that they can come out of this crisis as strong as possible. Yeah, no, absolutely, Frank, and uh, great questions from Rachel. I. I... You know, I, th I think on the uh, on the circular economy and the, the link to to people, I, I think that's that's just the sort of um, agenda that we've got to be um, backing in this next phase. And um, you know, I think the LEP has a real, really important role to do that. And I think um, you know the council will too. And I think uh, you know the carbon agenda and the healthcare agenda and the work we've done some brilliant work with uh, MIT in Boston, and we're working with. I'm part of a cohort of people who've been working with cities from around the world, looking at, you know, what what your economy is really good at, where you've got real innovation expertise that's world class and world leading. Um, we've working, we've been working with Oslo and um, Central Denmark and Sydney, and it's been fascinating. Monterey, um, Kentucky, it's been fascinating when you get people reflecting back on your story. And one of the things we've had back from that group is to say what a massive opportunity the, that, as you said before, Frank, the healthcare agenda is for us. Having the NHS based in Leeds, um, you know, is is a big is a big advantage for us. And um, and I think linking that and the the circular economy, almost the, you know, Leeds could be the place in the world that that solves some of the big societal challenges um, with that combination of tech. And um, and healthcare and carbon, you know, climate emergency that we've got, and and actually the the way the people coming onto the second question, the people who can do that are not often the big massive businesses. It's the it's the agile, smaller, you know, entrepreneurs. And and one thing that we really want to get out of that MIT program is is to back entrepreneurs and put them at the heart of what we do and 
and it's been really you know really interesting learning for me I've, I've done economic development for too long now in my career um some would say but um one of the things it, it, it's taught me is that you know we often think in in generic policy ways about about how we're going to do things but actually the um the, the best way to think about it is through the eyes of the business first and keep looping back to that when you're you're trying to devise programs and ways of working and so it's something that we're going to try very hard to make sure that we do going forward. We've got £129 million out to over 11,000 businesses over the last few weeks. Um, and, you know, we, we have tried desperately to, um, you know, make sure that we've, we've extended that support as far as we can possibly push it, given the rules that we've been given. Um, and so we've supported an awful lot of businesses. We've got the the fund that's just launched recently as well for people to have a look at um, on the on the website. So yeah, there's there's lots that we've done, but much more to do. And I think um, getting getting leads is the the place you want to be if you're an entrepreneur and you want to solve one of these big problems in the world. Is is really our I think our new vision coming out of that MIT work for for that um, you know sole trade or entrepreneurial agenda. Really exciting. Linking it into the university, linking it into the NHS. You know, it's linking it into the tech sector is, um, is is one of the big, big opportunities. Tom, it's been great to see you this morning. And the uh, final point from me really is to see when you're planning on getting your uh, colleagues at, at the City Council uh, going back into work into to some numbers. I think you were saying offline July is looking the, the likely time scale for that. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think I, I hope that we'll continue to see uh, infection rates reduce um, in Leeds and around the country. Um, that isn't, you know, it's not completely um, uh, uniform across the country just yet. Leeds, Leeds is actually, as a city, is is looking pretty good um, compared to some other parts of the north. Um, but I think we need June to. I mean, I've, I've been in this work; it's been incredible pressure and challenge because it's sort of the most important thing that for the country um, to get right. If we can get this test and trace and containing outbreaks thing right, then it lets us have a sort of a new normal through this next period before a vaccine or a treatment's found. Um, but I think getting things down into July so that we can um, be getting infection rates much lower um, will allow us to I think people more confidence to come back into work and into the city centre and um, but but n probably not on the numbers they've been before um, as we you know as the lockdown eases um, but to a you know hopefully a sustainable level and as Leeds City Council will be will be doing the same we won't be rushing everyone back it'll probably be you know start with say 20% of people in the office because of social distancing and I've heard from the conversations I've had with others that's Broadly, I think what people will be looking at as well, and and then some staggering of working patterns so that it's not the same people all the time, but you've got you know different groups of people coming in um, at, at, at different times of the week and keeping them in in groups as well is a sensible bit of resilience to do as well. So the same groups tend to work together, um, and they're not all of a team you know it's maybe half of a team so that they're the sort of things that I think we're moving towards and through um, June is a period where I think we've just got to keep going of you know keep the the main 
um, lockdown going, but then after that we can move move to a hopefully a more sustainable way of working. Great. Tom, as I say, thanks for joining us. It's been great to hear from you. Delighted thanks. the uh, the devolution deals finally gone through. Uh, yeah. I know how, how hard you've worked on that over the years. And hopefully we'll see you at a live event in the not too distant future, mate. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be great to see you on. Thanks for all the support down Tom's given us over the years on devolution as well. You've been a really important voice for us and very influential. So uh, thanks to you, Frank, and your members for, for what you've done for us. Oh, lovely. Thanks, Tom. Thanks Have a, a lot. Day. See yeah, you soon. You, thanks, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye.